Welcome one and all as we close out the week here on the day on sport with me, John Iderola and joining us as always on Fridays, the host of the happy half hour, Brett Ehrlich, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here, John. Not only is this one of my favorite contractual obligations of Friday, but I also have this thing. I don't I don't normally do product placement, John. But if mm -hmm. you tried the I adult lunchable, that. the all natural Oscar Mayer adult lunchable with Triscuits, I think I, it's what I love about that is that that is just a lunchable. <laughs> no, John. Thing. No, 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 bigger, no. You don't. No, 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 no. It is a slightly more sophisticated cheese. It's a Triscuit, not mm -hmm. a Ritz. Kids would never accept a Triscuit. And obviously. And. and because my teeth are older and more brittle, it doesn't have softer. <laughs> it doesn't have that impossible nub of gristle fat in the ham, mm -hmm. like you know that lucky uh, ham zone in in the old child one. I don't know okay, if everybody well, else had as many lunchables lunch. as me, but you would just it was like it was basically like gum and silly putty had a baby, which sounds delicious. Just, Okay, I'll have to try it out. I love that they're innovating. Um, unfortunately, we have an impossible nub of gristle fat who's going to be leading off our rundown in the A block. We have updates on Mar-a-Lago and classified documents and a whole lot more news besides that Brett's going to be joining me for. We're going to be talking a little bit about the election. Nikki Haley asked to weigh in on the most important aspect of the 2024 nominating contests. Obviously, Taylor Swift. And along the way, is Trump making a mistake, perhaps a dangerous, maybe fatal mistake in trying to get the Republicans to do nothing on the border? He's going to be asked some arguably tough questions by Maria Bartiromo. And then um, we've got Marjorie Greene attempting to pronounce words in the English language. That should be a lot of fun. RFK Jr. accused of being horny on Maine. That'll be fun too. And that's just in the first hour. In the aftermath, we've got garbage people. We'll be talking for Brett's sake about Broadway and much more besides. So thank you for joining us. You made a wise decision. We're gonna jump into the news, assuming Brett that you're ready for this. Whether I am or not, you've been more than fair. Okay, now I'm ready, let's do it. The FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago uncovered countless stolen classified documents, but new reporting indicates that even more might have been discovered if they hadn't been hidden in locked documents or secret rooms at Mar-a-Lago. We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that there's some interesting stuff going on and went on during that FBI raid. So we know that special counsel Jack Smith's team has questioned several witnesses about a closet that apparently was not searched during the raid, as well as a so-called hidden room inside of Mar-a-Lago. And that's, I mean, you hear hidden room in Mar-a-Lago and you just think the craziest things. I don't know what immediately leaps to mind for you, but for me, not good. Wouldn't wanna go in there and think that it should be aired out occasionally. Um, but we do know that, uh, so apparently some investigators involved in the case after the raid, after they had started to analyze the documents, came to believe that the closet should have been opened and checked because obviously it should have. So when agents reached that locked closet during the raid, this is near the front of Trump's residence, they couldn't locate a key for it. And we're told that the space behind the door was an old stairwell that was turned into a closet with shelves. So, you know, a closet. And it went nowhere. So they decided not to break it open. What? What? You couldn't find the key. So what are you, what are you gonna do? Notably in American history, when law enforcement has met a locked door, 
they've just turned around and gone back to the station. That's what they always, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, the door is locked, everyone. And also, there's no reason to go in there because it used to be an old stairwell, but now it has shelves in it, you know, shelves where you would put things on it, like documents, and it doesn't go anywhere. So clearly, you don't need to open it. But that's not even the worst excuse that has been provided for why they did not go into this locked closet. Sources also told ABC News the FBI agents didn't do more in part because they felt like they had been at Mar-a-Lago long enough. Oh, I didn't know that it was lunchtime. I didn't know that you were getting bored with the presidential raid. You know, you can do two hours, maybe three, but at a certain point, you just get tired and you just need to move on and leave the locked rooms um, uninvestigated. Anyway, apparently, by the way, that closet's lock had been changed. We found out in reporting afterward while his attorney was in Mar-a-Lago's basement. So you might recall this, we reported at the time. Trump told or his legal team told them to go down there to this room to search for classified documents. And while that was being done, they suddenly decided that this closet needed to be locked. And that's the closet that the FBI didn't have time or just energy to search. We have more, we haven't even gotten to the hidden room. But Brett, what do you think about this closet? Just all the different literary figures that the police seem to be over the course of this investigation. Like they're ants, basically. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense to me, but you are very small. Like, I don't <laughs> like I, but it is, but we, you know, we are not, we have more to investigate, but we have been here a while. Like, <laughs> sir, that is two statements back to back. Yes. And most logical conclusions are a statement followed by a conclusion. But those are not connected by logic. There's also the like, well, it's locked, so we can't go in. Like, isn't that what the warrant is for? Like, you can't, <laughs> what are you, a vampire that he needs to like invite, invite you, you <laughs> across the threshold? And then when I see like a secret room at a country club, which is itself like a secret room society, like entire plantation of secret rooms, like, what is in there? And I think our curiosity would have been piqued. Is it a sex dungeon? Mm-hmm. Is it a pudding dungeon? Like if it's Donald Trump, is it just where he keeps all his like Big Macs and pudding? Or is it just <laughs> an actual dungeon? Is it the kind of, is it like Robert Kraft's escape hatch? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I are many options. But it's um, just like, I, I think it's that it, the last thing is like, it, it, I feel like if I was a police officer, I would have had there's this Jewish phrase called Dayenu. It would have been enough. Uh, you know, we got out of it, would have been enough. And like, mm-hmm. I think they just got to like the the toilet cache of documents and were like, would have been enough. And then that's <laughs> when they got, yeah. they're like, I don't want to be presumptuous and go into the sex pudding dungeon. So I'm just going to cut my, my, my gains and leave. I look, I have to say, because we're responsible journalistic outlet, we do not know that this was a pudding dungeon. We can assume that it was a dungeon of some form, but we don't know specifically about the pudding. Um, but anyway, by the way, uh, there's some defense in the chat of uh, the, the cops in this case. Occam's Taser says Chief Wiggum was conducting the raid, and I think he did his best, honestly. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's turn now from the closet where, how do you not kick open the closet, man? That is, that's, is that fireable? That's why I you join the force is to kick in closets. Yeah. All I want to do is kick in a closet, particularly Mar-a-Lago closets. And by the way, 
if the door is locked, what are you gonna do? Stops you from getting in the closet. Why didn't Trump think of that with the front door? <laughs> that could have saved him a whole lot of trouble. But anyway, when you when you hear that Mar-a-Lago has a hidden room, you're probably curious, perhaps a bit concerned. What if I told you that the hidden room was directly attached to Donald Trump's bedroom? Maybe you're less curious, honestly, because do we really want to open that door? But anyway, someone should have opened the door. Like, you know, the FBI, when they were raiding Mar-a-Lago, they didn't. Now, unlike with the closet that they allowed to remain locked, I'm a little bit less down on them in that this was a hidden room, like in a Dungeons and Dragons game. So they, they didn't know. And nobody told them during the raid, which seems like it's obstructing an investigation at that point. But they didn't search it, the hidden room connected to Trump's bedroom. They did search his bedroom, and I apologize for all of them. I assume they had to be gassed afterward. <laughs> um, but there is a small door in one of the walls concealed behind a large dresser and a big TV. The space behind the room was the hidden room, which they say maintenance workers sporadically entered to access cables running through it. So the idea here is that there is an entire room hidden behind the bedroom so that the cables can run through it to the TV. I don't want to betray my brewing case of Trump derangement syndrome or reveal that I perhaps live in a bubble, but I'm not buying it. I'm not saying I know what's in that room. I'm not saying whether I know that there's like a painting mounted on the wall that the eyes are just holes. I don't know. But you, do you need an entire room, Brett, for the cables to go to your big TV? My brother literally has one of these. Um, a whole room. It's not a room. It's like an area where you like open the wall and you walk in and you can kind of, it's easier to get there. So it really does present two questions. Like, and the person who installed this in the original builder was an audio visual, like an AV geek. And okay. so there are other explanations. There are tons of rooms, especially in facilities like hotels have like service corridors and whatnot. The question is, they're called interstitials is what skip is sharing with me or uh you know okay yeah he knows maybe so, so there's that uh so it is possible that they are there so it's and i like the the back story of it which could be that donald trump was like i really want to play atari so please make it easier for me to access making atari on my wall um but no this is a time if it is the case, this is all I'm saying. If it is the case that when Michael Shore goes to Trump rallies and those Trump rally people and the Tim Pools of the world are all like, all right, it's a giant. This is what's really happening. They're drinking unicorn blood and Obama is a vampire from space that's ruining running the world. I am wildly within my rights to say that Donald Trump has an Oompa Loompa sex dungeon behind his wall in the interstitial that also allows him to divert power from his television to nipple zapping devices on children. And you are implying that you have as much evidence of that yes. as the space vampire Obama. Yes, thank you. Yes, that, that, okay, you get no, me, you see me. That is indisputable. I will say that of the two, I would watch the cinematic adaptation of the space vampire before I would watch the Trump sex dungeon. But okay, maybe, maybe that's all it is. Maybe that's all it is. But I, I will point out that an interstitial room that's just there for people to go through with cables is also a room that theoretically you could put stuff into 
if you wanted to. I'm not even saying like sex dungeon stuff. I'm just saying like a box of documents or something. So look, um, it's a closet that was locked and they decided not to go in. It's a room that they didn't know about. But like you gotta do a better job, man. Particularly when it's not like you had searched the rest of the house and found nothing. So you're like, what's the point? You had found mountains, troves of stolen classified government property. And you're like, yeah, that's good. And, and maybe it is, maybe this is enough for them to get him. But I would have loved, like, if they had like, okay, we went into Joe Biden's garage and there's a Corvette next to its classified documents. And then there's like a room that's locked that says, don't open me, please. And we're like, well, we already got those ones. Trump would be like, you did your job. Who thinks that? Come on, who thinks that? Final thought goes to you. Uh, yeah, that's for me. I just it, they robbed from me an opportunity to learn more about what kind of weirdo Trump is. Like right now, I only have enough evidence to say that he's a guy who is like, I am stealing these documents. I'm well within my rights. I think it's cool. I just put him in the toilet, okay? But <laughs> it robs from me the ability to say, oh, he went through those documents and was like, here are the ones that are super duper top secret. So please put them in the locked basement. Room behind the, you know, the Xbox. Yeah. I want them to start this trial. Not most of all, but maybe second most of all, I want this trial to begin. One of the central figures in the Mar a Lago classified documents case has an apparently shockingly dark past that shares many aspects of other men in the close Trump orbit. Men who he has vouched for and promoted. This is Walt Nauda, who I'm sure you've heard about. Trump's so-called body man, which is a thing that rich people have, I guess. He's also his aide, his valet. When he presses a button to get a Diet Coke, Walt Nauda's your man, he'll get that for you. But he'll do other stuff besides, and that's why he's facing charges from the Department of Justice. So he was charged with Trump, we know that. What we didn't know at the time is how he came to be an aide for Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And it's not good. So weeks before Nauda, who I'll remind her in case you don't remember, was a Navy enlistee stationed with the White House presidential support detail since 2012, traded Washington DC to go to Palm Beach. Navy officials had escorted him off White House grounds, reassigned him to a new post and docked his White House security clearance in response to accusations of fraternization, adultery, harassment and other inappropriate sexual conduct, including what they're describing as revenge porn, according to two different sources. These allegations apparently come from three female service members. While Nauda's behavior has been ongoing for years, according to those sources, the women first reported it in spring of 2021, shortly after Nauda was recalled from his first temporary post-presidential assignment at Mar-a-Lago. So here's a little bit more about what Nauda is being accused of by these multiple service members. So he's accused of violating the US military's fraternization prohibition in multiple overlapping and emotionally abusive romantic relationships while he was married and assigned to the White House. The revenge porn included supposedly compromising images of women that Nauda had retained and apparently threatened to make public. We don't know why, we don't know what the threat was designed to achieve. We just know that he's being accused of you know, this effectively sexual blackmail. By the way, he does face seven charges, not seven charges for that. At this point, we don't know if the Navy ever charged him for anything. All we know is that he was removed, his security clearance was taken away. But what he does face is seven federal charges for his role in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. 
Remember, prosecutors say that he, at Trump's direction, tried to thwart law enforcement officials seeking to recover dozens of boxes of documents, allegedly including highly sensitive national defense secrets, which Trump has stashed at Mar-a-Lago. And we could rehash if you want all the details of what he's described to have done, but he was apparently a willing participant in trying to hide this information. What we don't know for sure is how much or what Trump knew, if anything, about these allegations against him. We do know that he has lauded Walt Nauda in public. And we also know that when he has known about sexual harassment, sexual assault, domestic violence charges against men, he has very frequently backed them. So, I mean, we could go through when Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore was accused of pedophilia, many Republicans backed off, not Trump. Roy Moore was still his guy. Claims of sexual harassment against White House physician Ronnie Jackson, Trump still loves Ronnie Jackson. Abuse accusations against senior White House aide Rob Porter, physical like domestic abuse, loves Rob Porter, doesn't care. Uh, top one-time aides representative Max Miller and Corey Lewandowski have both been accused of extreme abuse towards women, including physical abuse. Trump later endorsed Miller's congressional bid and has recently featured Lewandowski at campaign events following a short exile from Trump world. So do we know if Walt Nauda? is a part of this long list of abusive men who Trump has kept with him, knowing full well who they are, we don't know. We know he is one of those men, we just don't know if Trump knew at this point. Brett, what do you make of this? Right, um, so first, it's not just rich people that have body men. Body man is like a, a body person is a term for someone on the campaign trail that a lot of it, pretty much every politician has, who's just that person right next to them. That's like, this is this ambassador's name and all that. It's the most famous one in popular culture, I would assume is Gary and Veep, Buster Bluth's mm-hmm. guy that just does that. Okay, so that's just a, it's a term okay. for someone and usually, that's it's true. Just, a lot of the politician, the political candidates who are making minimum wage also have body men. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. no, no. I'm just saying. I'm like, it's a specific term, so it's sure. it's uh, that's typically what it means. Um, but yeah, like, so for there's Liz, I, I understand if this guy's in charge of keeping secrets. Like, I he seems to be pretty bad at it. Um, the secret seems to be out about the revenge porn. <laughs> So if that's part of the job is to keep this kind of stuff close to your vest, like it's it's swirling out there. And I guess it's like, I am all for innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. 100% that is what it is. And, and when we report stories, we say that these things are alleged until they're happening. But like if someone is, it comes across, uh, you know, and in a hiring situation, and um, I only seem to hire the people who have like very high profile Real accurate, real seeming accusations that are still pending. I wouldn't just leap at hiring these people, mm-hmm. especially as I, I just want to point out the hypocrisy is like the same people that would fiercely defend the Walt Nadas of the world and the Corey Lewandowski's of the world. And I understand the instinct to say like innocent, proven guilty, and I, I don't want to overstay and I don't want to just like glide past that. But those folks also believe that there's like this vast secret conspiracy of pedophiles and child sex traffickers on the left. Yeah. And shouldn't these guys, the Trumps of the world, do their best to when they catch a whiff of something like that happening, like a revenge porn accusation, they should at least put it under the highest scrutiny? Yep. And and otherwise, all you're doing is saying you have a lot of confidence that Trump really is there. As this guy who's who's given these dudes a second chance at rehabilitation, and do you really believe that that's really what's happening? No, no, nobody would. Percent not. 
No, it's just look. This is why the the supposed concern over this like cabal of child predators or whatever sexual predators. It's never meant anything. There is an absolute army of public figures and media figures and forum moderators and religious leaders that are right wingers that have been shown to do this stuff. They don't care. They don't care. It is a convenient way to attack people that they already hate. That's all it is. Is it dangerous right now to stop Congress from doing a deal on immigration? Should we be waiting for you to get back into office? You can't do a bad deal. The deal they're looking at is terrible. They're going to allow part of the deal. You know, they're not releasing the papers. That's always a bad sign. Nobody can get a hold of the papers. They said they're going to release it Friday night. That is Maria Bartiromo, who is about as in the bag for Donald Trump as anyone technically in the news. But she's asking, I think, and at least from a certain point of view, a good question. Donald Trump says, as all Republicans do, the border is in chaos, American lives are on the line. Oh, Also, let's do nothing about it for a year. And Trump has been very clear, as clear as many Republicans in both the House and the Senate, that this is a political thing. They do not want Joe Biden to be president when some deal is reached, even if it's a deal that is incredibly slanted towards Republican priorities. All of that is irrelevant. This would be a big win from the point of view of Republicans, but set that aside because it would help Joe Biden. So from that perspective, Maria Bartiromo is asking, I think, a good question in that she probably doesn't want Donald Trump to do something that is gonna make him and the Republicans look really bad if they can be blamed for continued chaos at the border. Arguably, she's also trying to stress how dangerous the border is there and trying to you know, buttress the Republican talking points about the fact that this is the biggest problem facing America. But, but I do think it was a good question. I wanna to turn to a little bit more of Trump's response to it. What does he do when there's a little bit of actual pushback? Let's jump to this. Why weren't they releasing it earlier than that? Because it's no good and it's no good for the Republicans. And frankly, any Republican that signs it should be ashamed of himself or herself. For starters, they want to allow 5,000 people to come on to our country like, on a daily basis, they said, on a daily basis, 5,000 people, that's a lot of people. Why would Langford be agreeing to that? I don't know, he's a very nice man, maybe, Mitch McConnell. I don't think there's anything you can do that's worse than a bad immigration deal, and they're doing a bad deal. You're better off not having a deal than having a bad deal, and that's what they're negotiating. 5,000, that's a, that's a lot of people coming in. Look, I had the safest border, the most secure border in our country, in the history of our country, and now we have the worst. We have the worst border in the history of the world. There's never been a border that allowed millions of people to come into a country, even a third world country, that fight them off. I always say with sticks and stones, that fight them with sticks and stones. They're destroying our country and it's not sustainable. So he ends that response by once again invoking that we should be using violence to stop the migrants from crossing the border. We're, we're used to that at this point. That's just baked into if he gets in charge, there's gonna be violence against the migrants. So enjoy that America. But importantly, he makes some specific claims there. Much of what he said is not specific. It's vague, we need a good deal, not a bad deal, don't take a bad deal, aren't I nuanced? But he does make a specific claim that they're allowing 5,000 migrants into the country each day. That is not true, and it's a real shame that there were no journalists in the room to potentially fact check that. Considering, by the way, that this is a false claim that he has already been making for multiple days. That is not at all what the deal says. Maria Bartiromo knows that, but she's not going, she pushed back slightly, 
by asking if it was dangerous to block the deal. But she's not going to like contradict him. That's not what it does at all. They're doing all sorts of new border enforcement. What they're saying is if the number of contacts with migrants on a single day exceeds 5,000, not that they're let into the country, then they crack down even more hardcore. That's not the beginning of the enforcement. That's like a hyper locked down version of the enforcement. He maybe knows that, maybe not. He's a dullard, ignorant, and incurious. I don't know. But she knows better, and she's doing a disservice to her audience by not correcting him on that. But Brett, what do you think? Is yeah, it all- is it dangerous to, to bl- try to block this deal? Uh, is it dangerous to try to block this deal? For I don't him see politically. The, I don't or, see the- in terms of the actual state of the border, what do you think? This all depends on what people do about it, right? Like the, you know, the Oklahoman reports vis-a-vis Lankford's proposed plan he's about to sign off on that they report that in December there were 10,000 crossings a day. And so if it gets to half of what it's been, we should get really vigilant is the argument of this new deal. Trump is completely disingenuous and when I say like it depends on what we do. It's it do are people actually going to call him out for what it what he's doing? I mean, the very clear thing that's happening now is that America voted for Joe Biden because they were tired of Trump's nonsense. And to a large extent, a lot of moderates were like, let's just have government work again. And according to that narrative, this border deal is exactly that. It is Democrats who control the Senate and Republicans who control the House and a Democratic president overcoming their adversity, you know, the 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 differences between them and coming to a deal. That's one thing Trump does not want to happen. He doesn't want any legislative quote wins for Biden whatsoever, specifically on issues that Trump himself has tried to claim. If Biden is like, yeah, I got a deal that cut illegal immigration in half. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever, however he wants to paint whatever it. That is. wouldn't be a genuine explanation of it, but he could send people out to be like, we cut the influx of migrants in half thanks to my decisive action. And then he didn't, Trump definitely doesn't want that. What Trump, his other option that I'm sure he just doesn't understand is that he could say, I'm already being the president, by the way. I'm helping the Republicans behind the scenes get that deal that it's just a yeah. Republican deal. It's another option, but he's too stupid to understand it. All he's doing he's is selfish. saying 5,000 too much. 100%. And I will remind everyone, by the way, um, you know, and this is true of any level number of crossings or whatever. If it was 5,000, it's not 5,000 people cross the border and then they're in here. And then the next day, 5,000 new people cross the border and then they're in here. And you do that every day. That's not how it works. You've never, you never hear the numbers of people who cross the border the other way. There are people who cross the border on a daily or weekly basis basis that do work in one area or shop in another area. It's not net every day. They don't know that or they don't care. I don't know. Anyway, I want to turn to just really quick. The argument about the border is that, oh, you have these migrants come in, they take our jobs and they do horrible things to people. The answer is no, no, that's just not true. The average migrant commits less crime than the average American. And I know that's wildly reductionist, but it's true. And then the government, the U.S. just added 353,000 jobs in January, which is bigger 100%. than anyone had ever um, thought they would. So what Biden's technically killing it. If he can get one like messenger out there to communicate that, he's going to win yeah. the election. 
We don't need to tell our audience about that. They all saw it being widely reported on Fox News this morning. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I I drank a lot, so I do believe that. Anyway, um, I want to turn to uh, perhaps one of the pettiest, but at the same time funniest aspects of this entire story. I don't know if we're doing it. Are we doing a reset? Or are we just going into the video? Okay, I'll just set it up. Um, Republicans are the process of trying to impeach uh, the the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and uh, it doesn't make any sense to do that. So they're having a hard time articulating it in a way that makes sense. But as always, the person having the hardest time articulating things is Marjorie Green. The founding fathers intended impeachment to be used to deal with the commission of indictable crimes and the abuse of power. Corruption and injury to the nation caused by public officials, among others. <laughs> now, I am going to make fun of her in a moment, but I want to be very clear before I make fun of Congresswoman Marjorie Green. If a regular person mispronounces a word that they have no reason to see in print very often, I think that is the most understandable thing in the world. We can't pronounce everything correctly. I mispronounce, you know, locations in other countries and things like that, medicines. If it's outside of your area of expertise or knowledge or experience, you're gonna mispronounce things. Indictable crimes are not outside of Marjorie Greene's area of experience because she is a supporter of Donald Trump, who has committed many of them. She has heard that word and read that word many, 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 many times, and yet it alludes her to this point. Not entirely. Now, entirely not understanding that word, she would have just said it and moved on with her life. But in combination with the fact that I'm not sure if it was audible in the video, multiple people laughed, she did pause. And she doesn't necessarily know exactly what she did to be laughed at, but she knows it was something. Not enough. To become a more curious person, a better read person, maybe to get some flashcards or something like that. She she remains in the absence of curiosity or knowledge, very confident and impressed with herself. And there's no room left for anything else. I have a theory, by the way, of why she pronounced it the way she did. We'll get to that in a sec, Brett, but what do you think? See, I, I don't like to make fun of most stupid people. <laughs> and I I think they're useful. I think stupid people are useful because you're, you know, or not stupid people, but people that just don't know anything about politics. I don't think that's stupid. I don't think people, I think just the your average person who isn't, you know, they might be smart. You they always tell you when you're writing, overestimate their intelligence, underestimate their knowledge of current mm -hmm. events. So um I think the average person can hear what's happening and and tell you exactly like a reduced, very specific, very, you know, essentialized version of whatever's happening. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is just dumb, just dumb. She's so dumb. Like even so like dumb. Trump was at the UN and he said something about how awesome America is and how everybody loves us, and everybody laughed at him, and he <laughs> picked up on that and was able to like figure it out and actually did get the room back. Marjorie, she's just so clueless. Yeah. And and it's like we I hope enough people see this and are just like, she's such a moron. She is the she is the congresswoman representing the great state of Dunning Kruger. That's that's all it is. She she is unfortunately too dumb to be capable of understanding how dumb she is. You can be like kind of dumb and then realize, oh, you know, I don't know this stuff. Maybe I should learn. But she's she's too far. She's crossed the line. 
She's too angry and spiteful and hateful to ever think that she should question herself and learn something. And I say this all by the way to help her because I know there's at least a small chance that she's watching right now. Welcome to the show, Congresswoman. Anyway, why did she say this? Well, it's an interesting slip in indictable rather than indictable. We do know what her main hobby is, which is showing effectively revenge porn on the House floor. So maybe it could be tied to that, I don't know. But she has notably had slip ups before. So you can add this to the eventual mashup we will do of going viral for saying peach tree instead of petri dish. I guess that was a small one. Bear in mind, she was doing it to try to demonize Bill Gates wanting you to eat his fake meat that was grown in peach tree dishes. So the mispronunciation is probably less concerning than her conspiracy theories. But she also confused the Nazi secret police with cold tomato soup. The uh, That was gazpacho gate, if you uh, don't recall. And uh, now we have the indictable. Uh, and look, I will only say, if you think that we are being petty, in regards to her by focusing on this, you are indisputably right. But if you think if like Ilhan Omar did this, or Ocasio-Cortez did this, that they would not stop playing it for a year, you're out of your mind. But I can anyway. say that when it comes down to it, Donald Trump is really smart at saying like the thing that most people complain about and being like, listen, I don't want ta- I don't want to pay my taxes. It, doesn't everybody not want to pay their taxes? Like there's a thing there that he comes back yeah. to. And he's he's can tell a joke and he can do like a stand-up bit for like an hour. He can he can do that. I, that's a compliment mm-hmm. to Donald Trump. I don't know Marjorie Taylor Greene's single redeeming quality. Like Lauren Boebert gets fitness. busy in a theater, like yeah, like great, hot. Like, what what is Marjorie Taylor Greene's redeeming quality? She's like looks terrifying when she's doing her workouts. Like, yeah, like she's not even good at CrossFit. Like that's what I'm. It's weird. Hey, I don't think that she's gonna mind if we make fun of her for potentially being ignorant or whatever. But you make fun of her pull up, and that's gonna ruin her day. I want to turn to a rather odd subject. It's this preoccupation with conspiracy theories about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs that MAGA world seems rather obsessed with. The Trump campaign has actually commented on this and indulged this thing. Uh, What do you make of it? I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what the obsession is. Taylor Swift is allowed to have a boyfriend. Taylor Swift is a good artist. Um, I've taken my daughter to Taylor Swift concerts before. Um, you know, to have a conspiracy theory of all of this is bizarre. Nobody knows who she's going to endorse. Um, but I can't believe that that's overtaken our national politics. The first thing that I saw thought when I saw that clip with Nikki Haley was she's been to multiple Taylor Swift concerts. She must be supported by some very wealthy donors. Uh, but more importantly, it was that while she is uh, almost certainly not going to be the Republican nominee, I don't know how much longer she's going to last in this. She has a much better read than the vast majority of Republicans on this topic. She wants nothing to do with a fight with the Swifty nation. And why would she? It is a self-destructive, boneheaded, ongoingly way to pursue politics. Now, we understand that she is almost alone, although a tied 
the tide seems to be turning on this. She's going against the MAGA world and many right-wing pundits. Um, the allies of Trump are pledging a holy war against her. That's what they were saying a few days ago. And we know why she was able to swiftly swiftly dun dun, dun register a lot of people to vote. She's incredibly popular, arguably one of the biggest stars in the world. I don't know, maybe tied with like The Rock or something. And so they're very worried about that. But they also know that she's incredibly popular and it's dangerous to go against her and potentially turn off so many voters. So other Republicans and those in those circles seem to maybe be reading the tea leaves and turning on this. Jenna Ellis says it's just a few unserious influencers who are mad at Kelsey and Swift. Stop complaining about them and start making an actual difference on something that matters like registering Republicans to vote. That is an incredibly reasonable thing for someone like Jenna Ellis to say. The Federalist is desperately trying to get the conspiracy theories about Taylor Swift to stop. You can see the headline right here, the National Review as well. Now those are slightly more reputable forms of right-wing media. But even a couple of the most like like shameless grifters on the right seem to get that maybe this isn't something they should focus on. Take a look at this. I don't like having a political system where pop stars can have a vastly disproportionate impact on the outcome. I don't like that, but that's that's what we have. And my question is, how is obsessively attacking her a smart or effective counter strategy? How is that gonna work exactly? So you get a bunch of Fox News boomers all upset about Taylor Swift, and then what? She's she's all American. She's conservative. She's pretty and she's normal. And I know that she's a lib, but she's already the biggest star in the world. And I just don't think it's smart for conservatives to make an enemy of her and an enemy of her fans. Her fans are broadly speaking pretty normal people. And we should be normal too. And we should be happy that there is one pop star out there who's not actively degrading the culture every single time she takes a breath and sings about it. <laughs> okay, that does not seem like a good idea. The woman conducts herself with class. She's dating a football player. It's American, let's be on board with that. So they are clearly terrified and they should be terrified. As even Michael Knowles admits, she's a normal person and her fans are normal people. And they get that they're creepy little weirdos and people are turned off by that. And you don't wanna make the contrast even more obvious for the country of who you all are and who the normal people are. And so they're running scared. Now they're lying along the way. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt Walsh pretending that it's only Fox News boomers who are talking about this. No, it's generally, it's the online ones with the conspiracy theories. It's you guys that were doing this and now you're terrified of it. And he's not against pop stars having an influence on politics. He's against pop stars having an influence on politics that use that influence to help out Democrats. That's it. So quit with the lying. But Brett, what do you make of all this? Yeah, those guys are all from the Daily Wire, which is like the chief player in the Shilateri industrial complex who always declares a culture war on someone so they themselves can make money off it. They have Bent Key, which is a production company expressly bent on using pop culture, children's programming, and then um, things that kind of extend into like actual motion pictures in order to create a pop culture that absolutely affects our politics. They want a more right wing entertainment ecosphere so that they can A, win more elections, but B, make a crap ton of money. I think this is the like, and then these guys are basically just asking their viewers and their supporters, please be the kind of deranged weirdos that we want you to be. 
They're not saying stop being deranged weirdos. They're like, Mickey Mouse wants to thumb your kids. Like, that's insanity. Mickey Mouse wants to, you know, take a a cleaver out and chop off your kid's steamboat willy. Like, that's what they're saying. That is deranged psychopathic behavior, but it benefits them financially. And that's why they want you to stop. Uh, I, I never understand any of this. Like, Taylor Swift, what if Taylor Swift endorses Biden? Like, she did last time. Yeah. What are you afraid of? Again. And for more, please, everybody, watch my Rebel HQ video where I talk about how when folks are talking about the idolatry of Taylor Swift, uh, they are actually doing a better job of criticizing Donald Trump. That'll be on Rebel HQ this weekend, like youtube.com slash Rebel HQ Sunday. Very, very well said. Disgustingly said, but very well said. Two leading candidates for Senate, two very different visions for California. Steve Garvey, the leading Republican, is too conservative for California. He voted for Trump twice and supported Republicans for years, including far-right conservatives. Adam Schiff, the leading Democrat, defended democracy against Trump and the insurrectionists. He helped build affordable housing, lower drug costs, and bring good jobs back home. The choice is clear. I'm Adam Schiff, and I approve this message. He approves this message. A lot of people do not approve of that message from Adam Schiff. And they're not just Republicans. Some Democrats are crying foul too, because if you haven't been following this race, you might think, well, what's wrong with that? This is a Democrat who's contrasting himself with a Republican. What is he lying about that Republican's record? No, to the best extent that we can tell, it seems largely to be accurate to, uh, to what Steve Garvey is like. But there's a lot of dishonesty there. A leading candidate, Steve Garvey. But is he? I mean, in some sense, I suppose if the top candidates are Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, Barbara Lee, and Steve Garvey's one of the Republicans, you could say he's the leading Republican, but he's not polling super well. This is a case, if you're not familiar with this like tricky pizzicky little thing, California has a jungle primary system, which means Republicans and Democrats run all at the same time. And the top two vote getters then go on to the general election. It's very different than how a lot of states do it. So in that case, if you're in a blue state and you're Adam Schiff, the last thing you want is those final two candidates to include two Democrats, particularly if it's Katie Porter, who's very popular. Because then you have to contrast yourself with Katie Porter. That might be tough. Do you actually come out on top with that? But instead, if you elevate a guy like Steve Garvey by being like, everybody should be super worried about him. He loves Donald Trump. Hmm. I'm the guy who's fighting against the guy who loves Donald Trump, then maybe you get him as your second one because Republicans will see that. They'll flock to him and then he could easily beat a Republican. But that's what's going on. This is not an ad for Adam Schiff. It's an ad Adam Schiff is running for Steve Garvey. And that is not how elections are supposed to be run. We'll give you some of the reactions in a sec, but what do you think, Brett? God, I love this stuff. This it's is a so brilliant move by Schiff. I'll call it this brilliant. Is so it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. If anyone, anyone who watched the primary, um, like whatever it was, the debate, you could call it that, uh, for the California Senate, like this dude that he's running the ad against is Steve Garvey is brain dead. Like this guy <laughs> is basically like. A, like a dirt monster that you just can't like you he he says he speaks so slowly and halfway through the sentences like everybody thought he was done and then he would just like turn back on like this guy is nowhere near relevant but 
California has a amazing proud history of this kind of wily political ad work. So there was this one time where Gray Davis, who would end up getting impeached and replaced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was going up. His main challenger was Dick Reardon, and Dick Reardon was the Republican mayor of Los Angeles in like 2002. And so this was before this didn't have a jungle primary. So what Gray Davis, the Democrat, did is he ran ads against Reardon in the primary and got Reardon to lose to Simon, who was the weaker candidate in the election for mm -hmm. the general. So Gray Davis was able to go directly against the weaker challenger because of these kinds of very smart tactical political moves. Now, is he winning this debate against the person he should be going against? No, but this is politics and Democrats typically get so dumb about crap like this. They don't know the smart moves and they and they completely face plant like they did yeah. in this scenario. Like I didn't know that history. So thank you for breaking that down. And look, there's versions of like this in other cases. Biden wanting Trump to be the nominee is kind of a version of that. He wants to run against a weak candidate with the risk being that potentially the American Republic doesn't survive. But there he's only screwing over other Republicans. In this case, Schiff is purposefully screwing over, I mean, Barbara Lee to a lesser extent, but also Katie Porter, who responded by saying he knows you will lose to me in November. That's what this brazenly cynical ad is about, furthering his own political career, boxing out qualified Democratic women candidates and boosting a Republican candidate to do it. We need honest leadership, not political games. And Brett is gonna say that's just politics, baby. Congresswoman, what do you what do you want seconds. him to do? I like you more than I like him, but what is he what do you want him to do? And this is not a good punchback. Come up with something better. It's true, but perhaps not effective enough. Maybe she should do the same thing. Anyway, we'll see. Okay, we need to move on to our final topic because we don't have much time and it is just too spicy. So let's jump into this. Taking a page out of Ted Cruz's book, RFK Jr.'s official TikTok account commented on an OnlyFans creator's page, and he wants you to know that it definitely wasn't him. We're gonna evaluate the evidence and his argument and see whether he is guilty of the accusations against him. And I believe the legal term for this is being horny on Maine. So basically what happened is someone that was on his account back in 2022 was scrolling as you do and happened across this. And as you do when you, well you can't you can't see, but that is blurring stuff. It's blurring a lot of stuff that some men find to be appealing. So what do you do when you do that? You leave a comment, obviously, because as a man when you see that and leave a comment, Maybe she sees the comment and thinks I've got to do him. So whoever that was posts a comment that says, wow, with a couple of like loved up faces, which if every man in America would please stop doing this, that would make me feel better about the state of our gender. But that's what was left and he wants to explain himself. Yes, it's my account now, but it wasn't then. And it wasn't me that did this. He says, do people really think I was TikToking in 2022? I don't know, what is that supposed to mean? But he says the TikTok comment came in 2022, long before I ever had a TikTok account. The comment now appears on my account because the account was previously owned by one of the campaign's young social media managers. And so they couldn't do live streaming because his new account didn't have enough followers. So they used that junior aide or whatever, their account. So it was them that made the thirst trap comment. What do you think? Not guilty. And honestly, John, what are you talking about? You wish that guys wouldn't 
Yes, I wish that they would stop Why? doing that. Why? Yeah. What's wrong with that? I, I, it, I, it, it makes me so embarrassed. It just does. Why? Telling because someone I know who put a photo of the of themselves out there with the intent for you to find it sexy, mm-hmm. for you to say yes, I do find it sexy. Wow, heart, heart. There's nothing that, wrong. Like no, it's so weird. Up until that I point, guys. Shut like up. You. Shut up. Stop. <laughs> nothing up until that point has anything wrong with it. But that is not the extent of it. I I have seen into the psyche of men and I know that they're not just posting the comment. They have a goal. Who cares if that's the goal? Me, you're, as you're a human logic, who shares a gender with them. Don't ever talk to women. I don't try not to make clear to women that they're sexual beings and you're a sexual being. And if you two vibrate on the same we are sexual beings frequency, oh my God, if a guy goes and finds a woman who it wants to be sexy and just wants to do weird sex stuff, oh God, mm-hmm. don't, we're all ruining society. No, no, no. If this is their <laughs> love language, love on. <laughs> their love language. Look, if they just want to let her know that she looks great and she did a great job and maybe there was great composition of the photos, that's oh fine, but that's not no, what they want. No boner they, lasts that long if you're talking like that. No one is hot and horny. Brett, let me make a metaphor, okay? And we're going over. <laughs> this is like if you see an Elon Musk tweet and you and it's a joke and it's not funny, but you say it's funny. Oh my god. That's one thing, but when you do it, because you think, but then we're gonna be friends and he's Jesus. gonna give me a million dollars. That makes me cringe. And this yeah. does because these men think they have a chance no. and they are so disconnected from reality that it That's bothers me as a person. That okay, so they're well, that, I have that, never that easily with identifies more. where you're wrong. It's like not everyone thinks they have a chance. Sometimes you're just like, That's a hot picture. What is the purpose of the comment? To tell Why are you hot. stopping to post it? Because it's hot, dude. Oh my God, why do people go to the Mona Lisa and be like, hey, isn't this a great painting? I'm just saying, did he do it? I'm not judging as you imply that I am. But anyway, we have to end the block because we're way over. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, don't worry. Thank you everybody for listening and or watching. Love you, more to come after this.